What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, it's your boy, Annoying Question Boy. Uh, I would just like to preface this episode by saying two things. One, uh, if this episode cuts at really weird points in the recording, it's because I'm recording this while at work, because otherwise I won't uh, release this for like another two days, and then everything I'll be talking about will uh, not be as interesting, I guess. Um and then the second thing being that uh, I am both looking for topics uh, to research and write episodes about and also people who would possibly want to be featured on the show, uh, maybe do an episode or two with me. Um, you can DM me on any of my social media uh, and uh, we'll talk. But yeah, so uh, now that I've said all that, let's, uh, let's, get, let's get into the thick of things, right? Yeah. Alrighty, see ya. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to No One's Favorite Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Annoying Question Boy, coming at you live. Today we got a doozy for you, so I hope you're ready. We're, all, we're going to be talking presidential election, which has been influenced now by for years by a lack of political discourse, understanding, and culture. We're also going to hop into a conversation about Trump taking funding from the USPS and is claiming yet again that mail-in voting is full of fraud and possible collusion. We're going to talk TikTok as well as some other things peppered in along the way. But of course, before we get into the meat and potatoes you're all drooling over, uh, we got to start with that sweet, sweet intro music. See you in a second. So first things first, right off the bat, I hope that everyone is doing well. Uh, I know many of us, including myself, are still suffering heavy heavy at the hands of COVID and our government's inability to actually do anything about it. Um, I'm thankfully one of the lucky ones that still has a job. But to all of you who have either lost your job or saw the company that you work for go belly up or maybe you owned your own small business or something like that, and you lost that, uh, my heart really goes out to you, uh, and I extend my deepest sorrows and apologies for whatever that would be worth to you. Um, I hope that everyone is able to stay at least um, somewhat mentally stable during all this. Uh, I love you all. Thank you all for supporting me and listening to this. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh, So, uh... Speaking of problems caused by COVID, uh, let's go ahead and talk U.S. politics, which I'm sure you're all excited, just like I am. Uh, Let's start, of course, with the most anticipated presidential election of the year, Biden versus Trump. What an absolute spectacle this is going to be, huh, folks? So starting off right from the top to those of you who maybe don't have the most in-depth political understanding, that's perfectly okay. We all have to start somewhere, but know first and foremost that Trump versus Biden is just simply white old rapist versus white old rapist. When you see memes about that shit, it's really not a joke. Both Biden and Trump, although living vastly different lives outside of the Oval Office, operate for and on the same spectrum as one another. Each are a member of the 1%, the powers that be, that have held power in this country since its quote-unquote founding. So why is it then we have a two-party system, yet time and time again we see almost the identical politicians running on opposite ends of the spectrum, 
And that will segue us perfectly into the next topic without really ever leaving this one. Let me go ahead and explain. So from the beginning of this country, there has been two parties. Uh, before the Democrats the Re- and the Republicans, there were many different parties that have held power throughout the years. One of which was the Whigs, who, sadly enough, were not all forced to wear really big, ugly wigs, which I genuinely think is a shame, uh, and definitely one of the more important parts of our history that we, uh, we should be focusing on rewriting. Um, but what I am tr- attempting to explain is uh, that there has always been a grappling in this country between parties. Uh, both trying to grab and control as much of the power in government as they each possibly can. That's why you hear things like the House flipped blue or the Senate is a majority red, because in a system such as ours, the intention of political power is not to use it to benefit the people of the country, but to just simply continue grabbing at more and more power. In a system that is run by two parties that supposedly are ideological opposites, it makes sense that they would be fighting back and forth to keep the pendulum swinging. But here's the thing, folks. The pendulum never existed. It has always been one big sky wizard, which is a culmination of Nancy Pelosi's voice, Mitch McConnell's looks, Ted Cruz's ideas, and Vermin Supreme's vocabulary and style that controls not only the pendulum, but the people that are making it swing. You and I, the working class, folks, that's us. So what I mean by this, uh, if the metaphor was too uh, really stupid for you... uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, by the way, um, is that these two parties, although operating in this realm of understanding that they are politically opposed to one another, have shown time and time again throughout our country's history to be working towards the ultimate same goal, power. And that comes in two different waves. Like I said already, each side's attempt to gain majorities in the different levels of government but also by using things like bipartisanship to convince the masses that the compromises made between parties like the Republicans and Democrats are benefiting you and I. But what you have to understand is our well-being, our needs, as working-class people, aren't even in the spark notes. We're just casualties that this government is willing to accept. As you've seen now with almost 200,000 U.S. coronavirus deaths, with over a million positive cases currently active, and our assumed coronavirus relief bill that passed last week, taking most of the budget and funds that we were supposed to be getting allocated towards assisting people that are struggling because of this virus, go towards the military. I talked about this on a recent pod, so if you want to dive deeper into that, go for it. But just for numbers' sake, the $1.1 trillion relief bill that was signed and accepted by the Senate about a week and a half ago now had $741 billion of the $1.1 trillion going directly towards the U.S. military, police departments, the new FBI $1.75 billion building, and many other military contracting agencies. Don't forget the new drones and spy planes, too. So this is just one clear example of how reaching across the aisle only benefits those that are invited to sit at the table. It is, or it should be, clear to the world that this government and this democracy exist to perpetuate the wealth of the 1% and the power of those who already have far too much. Now, I'd like to take a moment here to say that this does not inherently mean big government or a government system that is a bit more involved in the day-to-day lives of its citizens is necessarily bad. 
It is to say that this big government, you know, the one that is run awfully and kills millions of people each year, not only by a lack of care for its population, but also across the globe in many of our quote-unquote military campaigns in every continent except Antarctica, you know, where we, you know, spread democracy. Excuse me. Most people's disdain for our federal or even state-level government is not based in the truth that these systems cannot help their citizens and fix problems, because they certainly can. The issue comes in who is running them and what they're allowed to get away with. In a perfect world, we would have a society built around helping one another, making each other's lives easier, living communally and happily together in one society. And that obviously would allow, in this perfect world, a government that could cooperate even at this or operate even at the size of our own now, but properly, because norms and ideology would support humanitarian and empathetic govern- governance. And the best part about this is we could achieve that if we just recognize the problems that exist in our already fucked up society and work together to change them. But I got a bit off the rails here. Biden versus Trump. What a joke, right? Uh, Last time I checked, there was a whole war about taxation without representation. And I sure as shit don't feel represented by our existing government. I think the only people who do are Jeff Bezos and Jafar from Aladdin. And this is because in this country, there's a lack of social, economic, and political understanding that would lead to any and all political discourse that could possibly lead us down a road to an intelligent, humane, and cooperative government. The intention of the government is to be an extension of the people into governance. They are meant to represent the wants and needs of the people. That's you and me, by the way, in case you forgot. So why is it that we have two people who could not be more removed from the social and political realm that you and I live in unless they were both actually Hades himself? The wealthy elites in this country have hit a stride that has placed them so separate to the rest of the world that they have no idea what life is for you and me. They do not know work, they do not know struggle, and they certainly do not know empathy. Because the only thing a billion dollars is good for is making it so no one else can have that billion dollars. Hoarding that kind of wealth is the most inhumane thing someone like that could do. Because not only could no one possibly spend Bezos' money in an entire lifetime, even frivolously on stupid things, but with people dying of poverty, of hunger, of dehydration, without a home, a job, or even so much as health insurance or a hospital bed, that means that all he is holding that money for is to make it so other people suffer. If you don't understand that concept, I implore you to try. Uh... Oh shit, I almost forgot, lol. Uh, so, Kamala Harris, by the way, huh? Um, I'm not even gonna go into specific details because it's not worth my time. But just know that she is not someone you should want in our government. Especially not in a position for if slash when Joe Biden kicks the bucket, she is directly next in line to take his place. As a prosecutor, she has put more than a thousand black and brown men behind bars, some of some for the rest of their lives, some in graves, most for nonviolent drug charges. If you don't believe me, look it up. Her record is all right there for you to see, just like it was there for me to see. And this comes on the heels of a 50-plus day series of anti-police protesting. So it's clear to me who's being represented in the government, as it should be to you as well. 
And again, as I already said, this is caused by the overwhelming lack of political discourse in this country, but also by the central idea of American society that even though we are very much dictated and controlled in our day-to-day lives, the belief is put forth and accepted by most that we Americans lived in, live in the freest country in the world. And this takes away a lot of the possibilities to actually have political discussion on things such as the lack of political spectrum on the debate stage every four years and many other intrinsic problems that our government, because people believe that they can formulate opinions based on feelings and their own personal convictions and ideals because this is a free country. Rather than educating themselves and learning what politics actually is and how it doesn't exist in America, that we have a political system that runs like a high school prom king contest, and realizing that not only is all of this problematic and directly affecting them, but that we have the power and ability to change it. Identity politics based on characteristics like race, religion, opinion, and other things that I like to call single-layer or one-layer characteristics has manipulated our politics and social norms away from actual discussion and into a realm of hate and disdain uh, for one another based on things like who I'm hooking up with or whether or not you believe the Illuminati is real. And that is what led us to Trump. Politicians like Clinton, Bush, both of them, Uh, Obama and many others before them have all operated on this same level. Obama being the culmination of the last 20 years of neoliberal propaganda and lack of political ideology. He was celebrated as being the first black president in this country, which he absolutely should have been, because that is cause for celebration. That is a huge step in American politics and society. But it shouldn't be enough to, to just call him good. Obama spent a large portion of his two terms expanding our already massive military and Department of Homeland Security, expanding Border Patrol, and investing trillions of dollars into an already awful part of our government, leading to the most immigration deportations in American history. He also continued the bombing of many Middle Eastern countries, including but not limited to Syria, Uh, He kept selling weapons to Saudi Arabia, who is technically our ally for the purpose of acquiring oil. But they have been and continue to commit genocide and mass murder in Yemen, which Obama and those before him, as well as Trump, have been providing weapons and money for. This is not to drag anyone for supporting Obama, because we are all propagandized and manipulated. For example, I used to love Obama. But I learned, researched, and evolved past that. So speaking of manipulation and propaganda, Trump and his administration are making strides to limit a few of our American quote-unquote freedoms, as so many are scared of socialism and communism doing, when our democracy is actively doing it themselves. Earlier this month and for weeks since, Trump has been talking about banning the app TikTok. TikTok, to those of you who don't know, is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance, but finds most of its stocks in possession of another company, Tencent. Tencent is a multi-billion dollar corporation that is believed to be data mining, especially on TikTok, and selling that data to other Chinese corporations. This is seen by many, including Trump and his administration, to be a threat to national security, as China is one of our current major oppositional governments, even though they're our allies. But some history should be understood first.
So, no joke, this is nine hours later. From the last thing that I said, this is nine hours later. But, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're just gonna go. So, uh, one of our largest trade partners is China. Um, last year, Trump enacted a kind of trade war with China, adding an additional $200 billion in tariffs, um, this led to a back and forth for a while now between the two countries who are both continually, concurrently spending their time and money on attempting to become the capitalist and cultural dominator of the world, of which the U.S. has held the throne for decades. On the same hill that Americans and their government have gone to die on, the Chinese have begun to pick up their weapons and shields. Uh, China is becoming, and has been doing for years, a new world superpower not only politically, economically, and militarily, but culturally and socially. With the introduction of TikTok, the rebranding of the app's former name, Musical.ly, China inserted itself into American culture once again, able to extract likes and interests, creating an algorithm similar to other apps at, such as Twitter and Facebook that takes your information and uses it to craft a feed that pertains to you and your own is interests. Uh, this, again, is nothing new. Companies like Facebook have been doing it since it first became an app that was intended to rate the attractiveness of his, Mark Zuckerberg's, that is, female classmates. So why is that all of a sudden this is something to be fearful of? Uh, that's the data mining, not rating female classmates, of course. Both cause reasons to be fearful. Um... Well, you have to, again, look historically. Um, Zuckerberg, not too long ago, found himself in a sticky situation. Uh, do you guys remember when we all watched that lizard, alien, robot freak try to drink water and formulate proper sentences to the Senate a while back? Uh, or was, was that Congress? I can't remember. But whatever. Uh, he was on trial for doing precisely what Tencent is being accused of data mining and selling the data um he explained himself by claiming that the economics of facebook are requiring of data mining because the way in which facebook and subsequently himself makes money uh is through the use of ads which obviously require data in order to analyze and know to advertise what to uh this all was deemed perfectly legal by whatever u.s government sec questioned him and he was back on his way to grill some meats with the boys in no time so then if you're like me and wondering what the whole story is uh i think i found it and it's just about as shady as you'd think it is uh so to those of you who don't know zuckerberg has had a history of brown nosing with politicians uh some like tucker carlson and other moderately prominent conservatives and republicans going out to dinners socializing what have you um, and I'm sure to some this might seem harmless, you know, what, it's just a guy chit-chatting with his friends, those are his people. But it, would it interest anyone to know that Instagram, which oddly enough is owned by Facebook, um, has been making plans for a while now, uh, and has since, uh, released, I believe, in a trial period, I don't know for certain, um, their own TikTok-esque, uh, app called reels uh it's literally just like straight tiktok for basic people uh but the catch really comes when you learn that reels also has its own data collecting algorithm as does every app such as this 
which operates almost entirely the same as TikTok. Which means that this is for certain an attempted and basically successful government collusion with a private company, which, you know, for those keeping track, is against the law. Uh, Contained with the U.S. Code of Federal Section 2635.702, I think that's how you say it, I don't know, it's a weird symbol, but yeah, uh, is the following phrase. And I'm quoting. An employee shall not use his public office for his own private gain, for the endorsement of any product, service, or enterprise, or for the private gain of friends, relatives, or persons with whom the employee is affiliated in a non-governmental capacity, including non-profit organizations of which the employee is an officer or a member, and persons with whom the employee has or seeks employment or business relations. So this means that if it's true that Zuckerberg and Trump's administration have been colluding with one another, as well as other venture capitalists and conservatives aplenty, uh, then they have broken a federal ordinance, which uh, lesser people have been sentenced to life in prison for, which shows once again how the laws are only meant to control and destroy the lives of the working class individuals who don't have money to get away with it. Uh, So in other news of Trump and his attempts to lie and cheat the system for his own benefit, uh, Trump recently did some sort of an interview. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I really only saw the first five or so minutes, uh, maybe less than that, where he basically said he was going to halt public funding for the USPS. Uh, He made another claim that mail-in voting system is being pushed by the Democrats uh, in order to win the presidential election, which is false. And he also made the claim, as he usually does with no proof or explanation whatsoever. Uh, He also claimed that the dangers of mail-in voting could lead to serious election fraud in the upcoming November election, which, uh, you know, as per usual, uh, is false. It's kind of funny how just about everything he says is false. It's almost like he's like really incredibly stupid and unfit to run anything, let alone a country. Uh, But this claim, uh, the one about the mail-in voting being easily manipulated, uh, is a bullshit argument that politicians have tried to use for decades, saying in many cases that prisoners shouldn't be allowed to vote by mail because of fraud, which helped to continue the age-old practice of silencing criminal offenders and their rights. Uh, But it's also been used in many different ways as an attempt to uh, silence certain voters. Um... But, uh, you know, sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Oh, um, this is not only like insanely bad for the sake of mail-in voting and the problems it will cause there. Uh, but if you think that the USPS is anything but essential and vital to the operation of like our society, you should really think again. Um, imagine how USPS is anything, or I'm sorry, sorry, (laughs) um, Imagine how much you'd be paying if Amazon shipped everything, which, funnily enough, is becoming a slight possibility with some Amazon execs discussing the possibility of an Amazon delivery service that would forego the need for any other delivery service, showing once again that monopolies have always dominated our economy in this country and always will until we put an end to this capitalist dystopian nightmare. 
Uh, but making the claim that mail-in voting could lead to the rigging of the upcoming election kind of completely glosses over how rigged the elections already are. I mean, again, really, who the fuck does either Trump or Biden represent in this country uh, other than themselves and their peers? There's no working class electees on that debate stage coming up here in November. Or I should say the voting booth, uh, the, the ballots. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. They're all, like, for the most part, lifelong wealthy elites, lifelong politicians, and members of the already existing ruling class. That right there is corruption uh, and a, you know, total disregard for whatever quote-unquote democracy supposedly exists. Um, But yeah, you know, it's not like Bolivia was overthrown for these, you know, exact same reasons. But moving on here, (laughs) uh, real quick, I want to get through the rest of this as fast as possible. I don't really like making the podcasts too long. I feel like people already struggle enough to listen to them. Um, So yeah. So one thing in American history has certainly remained constant. Uh, That one I'm speaking of is its attempted extermination of Native Americans and Indian peoples within the United States and indigenous peoples elsewhere as well. But let's focus here in America for now. Uh, The Navajo Nation, which to those of you who are like me and know little to nothing about Native Americans, is located in Arizona, which is one of the worst states in the country in terms of coronavirus response right now, and they are under attack. Not by the white man, although I guess that's not really entirely not who's responsible, but by the virus. Um, Since the beginning of this pandemic, the Navajo Nation has received little to no public funding for ventilators or hospital staff. They've received little to no PPE, almost no food or water or extra funds to acquire those things themselves. Many have not received unemployment insurance or their uh, stimulus check, even though they filed in March and April for the unemployment insurance. Most are without jobs at this point, many of which will not be coming back. And instead of receiving any of the things that they truly and desperately needed by the government uh, that actively put them in this predicament, they instead received body bags. Uh, Finally, in the last few days, uh, you know, about a week or two, uh, the Navajo Nation has begun to really turn a corner in their battle against COVID. But this did not come with ease, nor with small numbers of fatalities. Um, The the virus infected 9,000 Navajo, uh, killing 454. The coronavirus did not take it any easier on the Navajo than the American government ever has. But despite this uphill battle, they are finally beginning to be able to flatten their curve. Uh, The region has the highest infection to population rate of the entire U.S., as well as three times the amount of unemployment claims per capita. This is on top of the already existing poverty that exists in this region, leaving many without electricity, gas, or even running water. They also have the highest rate of hospitalization of any minority or racial group in America. Part of that reason is due to their lack of federal funding for health care, which has left them with only 12 hospitals in the span of almost 30,000 square miles. But amidst the odds, the Navajo show once again the true native spirit and and strength that has gotten not only them, but many other peoples and their tribes out of very harsh parts of history. It should not be forgotten what the 
what got the Navajo, similar to many other tribes, into this predicament. That is coronavirus and their existence in society. Both U.S. imperialism and exterminationism, which I'm not sure if that's a word. I think I might have made it up. Um, are two practices in which have led to these problems, which have not only been displayed in the lives of history, lives and history of Native Americans, but minorities across the nation and the globe. One thing's for certain, this government has got to go, and I genuinely mean that. Finally, I'd like to finish with an easy one. Um, although I will admit it doesn't start off easy. Uh, it's now been almost three months since George Floyd's killing and subsequent beginning of nationwide protests, many of which have and continue to affect real change across the country. But it seems with the media coverage diminishing now that violent protests are, aren't occurring as often and federal officers beginning to leave places like Portland, protests beginning to die down with workers beginning to go back to work, places opening back up, including schools and other institutions, uh, things are beginning to look as if they're over. But I assure you they're not. In Portland, there's still almost the same number of people out every night protesting, getting their asses beat by the feds and the police. There's still protests in big cities like D.C., New York City, L.A., and many other places. But one thing I would like to say about this entire thing and about Black Lives Matter as an organization is um, stop explaining it. Uh, let me explain <laughs> I've seen and even shared uh, a few different Facebook memes that make attempts to explain the movement and its anti-antithesis all lives matter uh, to those who don't seem to get it. To people who are quote-unquote realists uh, that claim that saying black lives matter is racist, it's explained that you wouldn't ignore a broken arm and say, well, all bones matter. You'd get your broken arm fixed. And then there's one that is like to Christians. It's like the parable of the lost sheep is used in reference uh, to black lives, claiming that the 99 are us folks, us non-black folks who don't suffer intrinsically because of the color of our skin and if we are to be like jesus we are to search and fight for the one la lost sheep that being black folks in this country and their lives but in all honesty i'm really done like seriously at at this point in time if you don't understand or can't get behind the black lives matter movement honestly just fuck off because it's so insanely easy to understand all you need information-wise is available to you, but you shouldn't even need it explained to you. You should just know what it's like to live in the world and be conscious of it. And I know some people are just ignorant, um, but that isn't really the majority that are going out and defacing like the Black Lives Matter murals in places like D.C. Um, I think that's where that happened. Or the ones that made that awful Blue Lives Matter copycat mural. Uh, which, side note, hysterically, no one got a permit for that. So it was completely illegal that they did that. I don't know if anyone's being charged for that, but it was completely illegal. Um, but the majority of these people are angry. Angry because they don't want black lives to matter. Because it means that they have to change their racist ideals or receive brutal questioning and bashing as they deserve if they continue to keep their ideals. So I say this with all the love in my heart. Just stop explaining. Keep fighting. 
Um, if you want to have conversations with people, that's one thing. But, I mean, don't focus all your energy on that. Uh, for those of you who disagree and think we should focus our time on educating, we can do that when the revolu- revolution is over. Uh, to those who want to listen, the rest are, aren't, in my opinion, worthy. Um, but yeah, so that just about wraps it up for today. Uh, thanks to all you who listened through and have made it here to this part in the show where I'm going to try to recreate famous moments in history through opera singing. <clears throat> just kidding. I'd never let y'all hear my beautiful voice without actually cashing a check first. Fuck you mean. Uh, but yeah, so thanks again uh, to those of you who enjoyed this. Uh, please consider listening to my other episodes, which all can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast. If you'd like this but would prefer it in writing, uh, I have a blog too, also called Annoying Question Boy, which can be found on blogger.com. And finally, I also started doing YouTube recently, and I'm working currently on my fourth video uh, titled Why Capitalism Doesn't Work Part 2. Uh, and I hope to get that out soon here in the next couple days. Um, also, I have social media. Check that out at Annoying Question Boy on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, please give me a follow. Um, also, go ahead and shoot me a DM and let me know your favorite fruit. Uh, I'll shout out one person in my next pod. <laughs> uh, but for now, that's all from me, folks, as I'm sure some of you are relieved to hear. Have a good day. Uh, Hope everyone is safe and healthy as can be and stays that way. Remember, uh, fuck 12, fuck white America, and fuck both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Adios, folks. As always, it has been your boy.